0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Locker Room app.
1: Guys, it is an exciting brand new app that I just, I'm just I very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on at Club 34-7. Bears Talk Underground presents... Club Thirty Four Seven every Wednesday night at seven PM Central, eight o'clock Eastern, and the app itself, Locker Room, is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Uh, you can talk to me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news, uh, and so so much more. You know, and, and the live, uh, the, the 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 app. Is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season. You know, to, to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the during the preseason. Uh, have some watch alongs. Have some, you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders. Uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get on the get in on the fun is download the locker room app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join in uh, on the fun. Uh, you know, follow me, and you can be notified when my room goes live, and it will be going live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. It's the Locker Room app. It's Club 34-7 on the Locker Room app every Wednesday at 8. Be sure and, and join in on the fun. You don't want to miss it. What's up, guys? We are back. It is that time. Of year. We skipped them last year in 2020. Didn't know if we were going to have a season. Didn't want to put in all the work only f- to have the season not happen and, and all the rest of that stuff. But the, we're back it's time for the opponent previews the opponent preview series and uh you know i'm just excited to be back at it to have a reason to be doing the podcast i mean i've been know i've been doing uh the locker room show for the last month or so so for at least once a week you guys can hear me live i know i haven't been posting them i'm gonna start doing that again uh pretty soon but um you know, uh, it, this, this is what I do. I, I, I love doing the, doing the podcast and, and, and everything. And now, now we're back with the opponent preview series, which, uh, since I'm starting a little bit later than usual should have us leading right up to training camp. So, uh, the way that, uh, we'll have the show spaced out and, uh, and everything it's, um, it's going to be a fun batch of shows, man. We're, we're going to have some some guests coming back. We're going to meet some new people, talk about these opponents that we have this year. Of course, we're starting with the same place uh, opponents. Uh, we're kicking things off with Ryan Dunleavy from the New York Post talking about the New York Giants. Uh, next to be your boy Q for the Las Vegas Raiders. And then our friend Ren Dax from the Pewtercast will be back to uh, help us preview the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers who despite winning the Super Bowl were actually still a second place finisher uh, in their division in 2020 so that's why they're on the schedule for us uh, this year then we'll kick it off with the NFC West then we'll go to the AFC North before wrapping things up with our NFC North brethren and then finally our beloved Chicago Bears so uh, we get an extra opponent preview episode because of our 17th game and that extra one is actually going to be our next episode uh with your boy q from locked on raiders because this they were the second place finisher in the afc west and that is the division that the nfc north draws in the afc same place opponent uh range uh this year so and we get to play out in in that beautiful stadium out in in vegas uh, and everything and, I, and i've seen all over the the um like the facebook groups and the you know twitter twitterverse out there who's going to vegas who's going to vegas who's going to vegas uh that'll definitely be a destination for sure uh week five uh you know in the fall so it's not you know still ridiculously hot i mean you're still in the middle of the freaking desert in las vegas but when i was out there um years ago in, in, in november it was in the 50s. I was actually kind of disappointed. I was expecting to come from the, you know, turning to winter uh, Midwestern Illinois to uh, to go to the desert out in Vegas and expect to be able to be banging out in the maybe 70, 80 degree weather and shorts and stuff like that. And I think the high while we were out there for the for the one night that we were there in Vegas was like 64 or something like that. I mean, it felt awesome, but it wasn't the warmth that I was looking for being in the desert for the first time, but... Nonetheless, um, everyone's looking forward to that one, and I've been looking forward to getting this uh, started. I kind of missed doing it last year, even though my heart really wasn't in it. I know that it probably would have boosted my excitement for the season if I had gone ahead and pulled the trigger, and trust me, if I'd have known that the NFL was just going to push right through and play every single snap of every single game, uh, you know, if if I could have a crystal ball and see into the future, I probably would have forced myself to do it. But not knowing what it was go- what was going to happen, you know, I just didn't want to get all excited about a season that wasn't going to happen. So, but we're past that. Um, you know, I, I hear that we're already up to sixty percent capacity at Wrigley Field. Who knows what it's going to be two months from now when the preseason gets started? That home debut. Uh, against the Dolphins on August 14th is already circled on my calendar. Uh, Not only because it's the first Bears football of the year, but that will definitely be the game that we see Justin Fields play uh, in. So uh, that's what we're looking forward to there. So uh, anyway, not a whole lot to talk about as far as news and notes or anything. Uh, The one thing I do want to mention is that the Bears are kind of doing, um, a lot of teams are doing this actually. I've watched a few on the Cleveland Browns and some of the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Bears are doing a web series and actually they did it last year. I had no idea. Uh, it's called um, oh shit, what is it called? It's like 1920 um, something 1920. I, I, yeah, forgive me. I'll, I'll know it next time. but um, it, the, the first episode was about the Bears going through the scouting and and drafting process and, and getting fields and uh, Jenkins and our other you know picks Larry Baram, Thomas Graham, Jr., Daz Newsom, and so on. Um, and everything it was about 26, 26, minutes long or so, uh, really interesting, uh, stuff. And then, you know, the bears have always been so kind of reclusive with this behind the scenes, uh, kind of stuff. It was actually really nice to be able to, to see that kind of stuff. But it's like now that every team is kind of doing something like this, that it's pretty much, you know, if they can do this on their own, um, you know, what's to, to keep them from, you know, or what's the, what's the incentive to do hard knocks. You know what I mean? I mean the Bears made the playoffs, so they're not a candidate uh, this year. But you know, what is the incentive in doing in doing hard knocks when you just do your own web series and you you make the determination on what content goes out and so on and so forth? But I watched the episode; I did enjoy it, and um, uh, I recommend that you do uh, as well. As even if you, <laughs> even if I'm an idiot and can't tell you what it's actually called, just it's it's the Bears YouTube account. Go ahead and watch the video, and uh, maybe when we come back and talk to your boy Q, I'll actually remember or know what the name of the damn series is. It's football nineteen twenty or nineteen twenty. I've it's having to do with nineteen twenty and that being the, the you know the origin of the team and when they established it, or nineteen twenty drive or something like that. Anyway, enough of me and my nonsense. Let's go ahead and get this thing started. Uh, We're going to move on and and, uh, talk to our friend Ryan Dunleavy from the New York Post. Talk about the 2021 New York Giants because it is episode one of the opponent preview series for 2021 on the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Well, kiddies, it is that time of year again. We start our opponent preview series, as always, with our same-place uh, opponents and kicking things off for the same-place uh, opponents that we have, all the second-place finishers uh, in the NFC and, and apparently this year in the AFC West uh, as well for the Bears and uh, it would be the New York Giants. And, and here uh, back on the show once again to help us uh, navigate the 2021 New York Giants from the New York Post, our good friend Ryan Dunleavy. Ryan, welcome back, man.
2: What's up? Thanks for having me. I think this is three years in a row.
1: I believe it is. And uh, last year, you guys were our second game of the season, or we were each other's second game of the season. This year, we will be the second to last game uh, of the season, as the Bears and the Giants uh, will play once again in Soldier Field uh, on uh, on uh, January 2nd, Week 17, which used to be the end of the season, but thanks to the... Uh, NFL uh, wanting to uh, soak the NFL fans for more money. We've got a 17th game on the schedule, so that's just the the penultimate game instead of the, uh, the finisher. But we'll be back in frozen and frigid Chicago in January with the Giants and Bears uh, going at it.
2: Yeah, a game that will have a lot of storylines. Uh, the Giants will certainly be hoping the bears are bad by that point and they can make (laughs) them worse with a you know a double victory where they could get a win and a loss to improve the bears draft position that would go to the pick that would go to the giants so they'll be looking uh you know hope that gets into a top 10 kind of pick by week 17 and also it'll be saquon barkley's uh return to soldier field after you know the ACL injury that you know to basically changed the course of his career in week 2 of last season so yeah. i think that'll be whether the teams are good or bad i think there'll be plenty of storylines that week well you know i've uh, speaking
1: of that that injury in in that game it was week number 2 in chicago it was the bears uh home opener we had a um we did we win week 1 i'm trying yeah we had that weird win over the lions where basically we should have lost uh, first of all we're down like 20 points going into the fourth quarter we come back we take the lead rookie running back for the Lions drops a, a sure touchdown pass uh, in the end zone and the Bears are able to hold on the Giants on the other hand uh, were murdered on national television on Monday Night Football uh, by the Steelers who would go on to be 11 and 0 before I guess falling to reality and and getting ousted uh, in the first round uh, of the playoffs so Neither one of us really knowing what to really think of these teams going into this, into this game. The Bears were lucky to have win, uh, to have won. The Giants kind of got steamrolled. You know, what were these two teams going to look like? And then very early on in the game, basic, probably the best player on, on either team goes down, uh, you know, with the knee injury that ends. Uh, His season, and it also just kind of spoke to the kind of luck that the NFC East in general would have last year, because as I was looking at your schedule, the Giants started 0-5, and when they won their first game of the season against the Redskins, like week week six or seven uh, last year, they were in second place after they won that game. Uh, last year, you know, they go zero and five. They win a football game, a, a close one over the over the Washington football team, and they're in second place. And that just spoke to how the state of the NFC East last year. I mean, and who knows what things, how things would have turned out for the Giants in general had Saquon not gone down in that game against the Bears.
2: I thought by the end of the season, by week sixteen and seventeen, I thought the Giants were the best team in the NFC East. Now that's a bad division. Mm-hmm. That was without Dak Prescott. Uh, the Eagles collapsed and had, you know, at that time had Carson Wentz on, on their bench. Right. So I thought at week 17, I thought the Giants were the best team in the NFC East. I think if the season was 20 weeks long or 19 weeks long, I think the Giants would have made the playoffs. I thought when the season ended, they were the best team. When the Bears played the Giants, the Giants were probably the worst team uh they you know hadn't won many games in the last couple seasons before that new coach new offense you know we all know no need to rehash it all COVID yeah no OTAs limited training cam no preseason games so they didn't know who they were in week two and that kind of showed
1: yeah and and, and you just kind of saw that across the board I mean and, and Saquon was just kind of um uh, you know, typical of what happened to a lot of teams, week number two, because I think you and i when we when we last spoke you know previewing the game, I think we were all surprised about the lack of injuries in week one, like I thought week one was going to be an absolute bloodbath, no training camp, limited uh you know because of covid guys missing practice because they kind of thought they knew someone who might have had it before, you know, kind of thing. Everyone's got to be quarantined for five days and be tested and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they were just football players did not spend a lot of time practicing football before the season started. And we all thought week one was just going to be awful because they would have to go from zero to 60, you know, just like that. Like they're walking through everything and now they're going to have to go, you know, balls out against each other. But it was actually week two where all the injuries started to happen. I mean, you know, Saquon goes down for the Giants. Half the roster of the 49ers goes down in that Jet game week two. I mean, you just saw it all over the league. It was week two where everybody started going down. What we thought we'd see week one, and Saquon was was actually pretty much one of the first dominoes to fall that got that thing started in week number two.
2: Yeah, but he's back now like, ahead of schedule do you know light work in OTA is not much right probably a light work in training camp but he'll be the focal point of the offense again
1: right I mean and and you got a new uh target out there for for Daniel Jones the uh Kenny Galladay uh free agent signing from the uh from the Lions after you guys let Golden Tate go you also bring in Kyle Rudolph from the uh from the Vikings John Ross from the from the Bengals and such and and you you juice up the offensive line a little bit, you bring in Zach Fulton. Uh let's see. Anybody else on the offensive line? You resign Nate Soder. Um I uh, yeah.
2: he, he was he was under contract. He opted out of, out of COVID last year. Ah, so okay.
1: He, okay. He so that's why he was on that list. Okay. All right. So I mean, you know, it does look like it's going to be another Saquon heavy uh offense, but Kenny, Kenny Galladay does open some things uh up for you should, you know, downfield and then of course you guys draft uh, Kadarius Tony in in the first round uh, of the draft uh, as well. So it's um you know it looks the like they they're trying to build up that uh, the passing options for Jones.
2: The offseason was dedicated toward getting Daniel Jones more weapons. They sure. point they point blank said it many times and they came through on their word. The idea was they didn't want to be in the same spot the Jets were in last year where or you know 2 months ago where they didn't know what to make of Sam Darnold because they hadn't done enough to help Sam Darnold. The Giants at this time next year want to know, Daniel Jones is the right guy or he's not the right guy. And the way they want to know is to take away his excuses. Oh, he didn't have enough downfield threats. Okay, here's Kenny Galladay. He didn't have enough red zone targets. Okay, here's Kyle Rudolph. He didn't have enough speed. Okay, here's Kadarius Toney. Mm -hmm. So they did that. The question is, as you kind of mentioned right there is, the offensive line could blow up the entire giant season. Right. I think they're probably about an eight or nine win team. Uh, but if the offensive line now look, they're going to start five players who are 25 or younger. Mm. So if they're good, that's the makings of a dominant offensive line for years to come, a group that could be together five, six, seven years, but that's they're only going to stay together. If they're good, if they're bad, Young and bad is a very, very, very deadly combination in the NFL. If you're inexperienced and under talented, you're in a lot of trouble. So uh, that could blow though. Saquon won't have holes. Daniel Jones won't have time. The Giants will go as their offensive line will go, and you could say that's probably true of most teams, but it's hyper true of the Giants.
1: Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, especially with 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 um, with Saquon coming back and and uh, you know the weapons that they went out and got uh yeah it it is going to be the the steam that drives the engine uh for the offense i mean and like you said that's true of of most teams uh in the n f l but uh you know like you said and, and even for the bears as well like the the moves the bears are trying to make or or did make with the offensive line in in the off season if they can come together then you know Andy Dalton might stay upright and Justin fields can learn a little bit longer and then we'll see how that all goes and uh, and everything, so uh, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, true of, of both our teams that the offensive lines output will uh, will determine how well those offenses, uh, you know, mesh out on the field. So, um, but you know, how did Daniel Jones uh, do last year? Because when when we played each other week number two, it was a game that was very disappointing for me. It was one of those what I like to call a yeah but victory for the Bears because they got out to a decent start. In the first half, we score on our first offensive drive. Uh, we're up, you know, you know, 17 to 3 or whatever it was at halftime. And then, but we had to hang on to the very last play of the game in order to uh, win the game uh, against the Giants because they just kept battling back and uh, the offense uh, just couldn't get anything going in the second half. Yeah, Daniel Jones'
2: season last year was a major disappointment. Mm-hmm. As a rookie he showed a lot of flashes i think he was the first rookie quarterback in nfl history that had four three games of four or more touchdown passes and no interceptions so he showed a lot of promise as a rookie he had too many he had too many fumbles and it was like okay well fumbles is a thing that you can correct you just you know, you got to learn how to hold on to the ball tighter, when to throw it away quicker or whatnot. You can fix fumbles as a young quarterback. There was a lot of reasons to be encouraged. And then in year two, everything went backwards. He still fumbled as much. He's still, you know on pace to be one of the most fumbling quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> um, so he still fumbled as much. His interceptions went up, and his touchdowns plummeted.
0: Mm. So
2: – He took a major step backwards. Now, how much of that is him? How much of that is no Saquon? How much of that is first year in Jason Garrett's offense? You know, like we said, like I was saying five minutes ago, there's a million excuses you can make for Daniel Jones at this time, right now. You can say he wasn't good, but a hundred different ways. Offensive line, no running back, new quarter, new coach, new offensive coordinator, new system. They want to make sure that that's why Jason Garrett's back the offense was 31st in the NFL in points coordinators who have 31st ranked offenses in points don't usually come back Jason Garrett's back because the giants don't want to start over for Daniel Jones. They don't want to do three systems in three years. Right. So Garrett's back, even though Jones was underwhelming last year, they're kind of hoping that familiarity is the good thing and not starting over. You know, it was a, it was a double edged sword, right? Like, they weren't productive so do you run it back and hope that you know, familiarity is the change or are you running back something that doesn't work which is a disaster
1: right I mean actually sounds a lot like um, what happened with uh with Mitch when Nagy first came to town it was also his second year uh in the league you saw improvement from week one to I mean, all the way through the playoff game the loss to the uh to the eagles he he you know he engineered that drive at the end of the game that led to the to the double doink it was him making the right throws to the right people putting the ball in the right place that got us into field goal range in a position to try to win that uh ball game but then fast forward to 2019 everyone's excited we've you know everybody it's year number two in this system and we'll see how it goes and then it just it went off a cliff uh, in 2019, for Mitch, that basically he never recovered. Even when he was playing well towards the end of last year, it, you always kind of got a sense that he was on his uh, way out. And so, I, it, you know, from what you're saying, it's like this off season, it appears the the Giants have gone all in to try to find out if Daniel Jones really is their guy.
2: That's it. That's exactly the case.
1: So, I mean, and uh, you know, speaking of of next year in 2022, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk real quick about the about the draft because our teams did a little business uh, on, on draft night and uh, was it was kind of funny because it was right on the heels of, of you know Dave Gettleman the general manager answering questions about his uh, his you know inability, his lack of desire or whatever to trade back. Yeah. Uh, in the draft, even when in his time with the Carolina Panthers, it was something they had never done, you know, and, you know, he he answered it off for, you know, in the conference about, you know, well, I've never gotten a deal of, you know, I've never I don't want to get fleeced or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, he makes a deal with the with the Bears to drop from 11 to 20. The Bears come up, they get Justin Fields, knock on wood, our quarterback problems are solved. What was it like in in the press room or whatever when that went down and Gettleman makes the move right after you know he gets uh, basically gets teased for never doing it?
2: Well, it's funny because a lot of things had to happen, right? Like the Giants, yeah, were counting yeah, on, yeah. the Giants were counting on four quarterbacks going in the top ten, and only three did. Right. So if four quarterbacks had gone in the top ten, whether it's Mac Jones or Justin Fields. I don't think this trade happens because that would have bumped down either Devonta Smith, JC Horn, Jalen Waddle, or Patrick Sertan. Right. One of those four guys would have been there for the giants at 11. And I think they probably would have taken one of those four guys. Uh, if Justin say Mac Jones was the quarterback who went in the top 10 and Justin Fields was still there. And that's the guy the bears wanted. And they called and offer a first run pick would the giants have st- still done the trade maybe, but it would have been much harder to do if one of the guys they had circled on their board was there. This trade came together because uh, they had talked during the week. Uh, pace and Gettleman Gettleman says he had heard pace was looking to trade up. He called him and said, Hey, in this scenario, we might be looking to trade down if it happens. Pace said, "Let us know," and that's the scenario that happened, where the Giants, you know, two receivers and two corners were off the board. I thought they might still be interested in Rashawn Slater at eleven. They weren't, obviously. Uh, they they let him go and uh, took the trade. Um, so it was very interesting because you're right. Gettleman had been teased not just this week, not excuse me, not just this year. For years, we've been pestering Gentlemen, Like, you're 0 for 46 on trading down. You're 0 for 32 on trading down. This year, it was you're 0 for 54. You've made 54 picks and never (laughs) traded down. How is that possible? When you look at the Patriots or the Eagles or these teams that they seem to make a trade every pick is they either go up or down. How have you never not once made a trade?
1: Yeah.
2: Right. You know, he said what he said, exactly what you said. he never want, he doesn't want to get fleeced. And it comes to find out that basically he needs a future first to consider it not being fleeced. He wasn't going to take a mixture of mid round and second, you know, second day two and day three picks, uh, for him to not get fleeced. He felt he needed a round one pick and, uh, Bears were willing to do that, so the Giants moved down from 11 to 20. I think it's a, a bit of a oddball trade in that I think both fan bases and most media say it's a win for their team. Like, it, it could be the, if the Bears fans seem happy that they got Justin Fields and the Bears media seems to think they made a good trade and the Giants fans are thrilled with the trade and the Giants media seems to think Gettleman made a smart move. Um for the Giants, it's a couple, again, it's a couple things. Like, they wanted Devonta Smith. Yeah. I know that for a fact. The Eagles and the Cowboys made a trade. So the Giants, two biggest rivals, made a trade with each other. And so the Eagles jumped from 12 to 10 over the Giants at 11 to get Devonta Smith. Right. You could say that's a big mistake by the Giants. If you want your guy, you can't let the Eagles come up and steal him from you. So you could say, wow, the Giants really dropped the ball there. But once that happens, I thought they did a really smart thing, pivoting, rather than just making a pick of best available guy, somebody they were only lukewarm about, to get a future first-round pick, which, look, Justin Herbert was awesome for the Chargers last year, and they still didn't make the playoffs. So even if Justin Fields is good, are the Bears a playoff team? I don't think so. So I think you're looking at probably a top 12 pick from the Bears next year. To me, in a draft that everybody says is going to be a better draft class than this year's draft class. So to me, I thought the Giants made a very good trade. Well, Dave Gettleman
1: became one of my favorite people of all time when I heard what the price was because I have spent this entire offseason terrified of what our situation might force Pace and Nagy to do in terms of getting our next quarterback because there was all the talk about deshaun watson and the you know king's ransom of picks that he was going to require then thankfully um you know he went ahead and and got stupid with the masseuses and things like that and got himself out of trouble and took himself out of the equation yeah yeah Allegedly. allegedly of course yes of course Uh, Then there was the talk about Russell Wilson and the offer that the Bears did make that Seattle turned down because Pete Carroll didn't want to start over with a new quarterback and, and things like that. And it was like week after week, the Bears were connected. To a different quarterback whether it was Derek Carr uh, there was you know Matt Stafford uh, you know there was even talk about Ben Roethlisberger when those salary cap issues were coming up with him uh, and the Steelers and then of course it moved on to the draft after we signed Andy Dalton that could still happen there and just you know the desperation that the Bears would have to move into the top 10 to get or a top 5 to get a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance or whoever uh, they wanted and you know, I, it, I, I've i told the story before, but I'm watching on draft night and I'm flipping between the networks. Whenever one went to commercial, I flipped over to another one. And as I'm flipping from one to the other, I see the graphic come up, Giants trade with, and then the helmet swoops across the screen with the Bears. And I immediately went into a panic. I immediately went into a panic. We moved up nine spots. Now it cost the 49ers three first round picks and a third to go from 12 to three what is the giants going to, what were the giants going to take the bears for to move from 20 to 11 and you know it's like i really wasn't thrilled about the justin fields pick until i saw the price it was a next year's first okay okay fine and then like a a five this year or a four this year and a five and a one and a five next year i was like yep. that's it that's it oh my god it's like I could, because it just I was so terrified that Pace mm-hmm. was going to be so desperate to get his guy that anything that was asked for he was willing to uh, dish it over and it turns out it was just the opposite because he had made calls to other teams and what they were asking for he wasn't willing to give up and you know like you said Gettleman got a first rounder for next year got a day three pick on top of it and they you know they got a wide receiver that they think can uh, can help you out and uh, you know. We got our quarterback and it, and we were able to still have our second and third round picks. We were still able to do business on Friday night, uh, as well. I came away thrilled after and I was like, Gettleman didn't gut us. And I really appreciated that because that was the one thing I was worried about throughout the offseason is what the Bears were going to be doing in the desperation of Pace and Nagy being in a winner, you're out kind of year. You know, what were they willing to give up in order to win now? And Gettleman did not gut us.
2: That's interesting you say that. I mean, that's what I mean about it being kind of perceived in both markets, and both Chicago and New York are obviously both critical markets. Yes, uh, and it's being perceived as a win in both markets because I thought Getum and got a ton. If you look at the trade the Jets made with the Vikings, I don't know what it was off the top. Twenty, I think they went from twenty-three to fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't. The Vikings didn't even get a future first-round pick. Right. So, um. I think they went from 23 to 14, so they moved up nine spots. And I think they got a bunch of third-round picks. Uh, maybe like a, maybe they got two-thirds and a fourth or something like that. So, um, so I don't have the numbers in front of me, But I know that didn't include a future first. Right. So to me, Gettleman getting a future first and probably a high future first is a, is a good haul. Uh, it's hard to compare it from 12 to 3. And, yeah. again, it's even hard to compare from – 23 to 14 because obviously the you can look at any point chart for the draft. Anybody can Google one of those. You'll find the Jimmy Johnson one very easily. The points that each draft pick is worth goes down significantly from pick to pick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to go up from 12 to three is, you know, point wise, you know, to put it in terms, people understand it's like, you know, to go from 12 to three costs a thousand dollars to go from 20 to 11 costs like $500. Right. So uh, if you look at the points chart, I think it was a probably – I think the Giants ended up with slightly more points than the Bears, but you're going to have to do a trade where you give up slightly more points if everybody in the world knows you want a quarterback. And the Bears, it was not a secret they were coming up for a quarterback. So well, and you're, and, you're always going to pay a bigger price there.
1: Sure, and, and what I was really uh, basing my, my praise of Gettleman on was that I saw a clip of Pace talking to – um, the Broncos GM, GM, Patton or Peyton or something yeah. uh, like that. And he's on the phone right before they make the pick to take uh, J.C. Horn. It wasn't J.C. Horn. It was for Sertan. Okay. They took Sertan. And he, you said, listen, Ryan, it's going to be a one, a two, a three, and next year's one. And I thought that was going to be because of what we were going for. They knew we were coming up for a quarterback. They knew the Bears were desperate and had to make a move That is the attitude that I expected from everyone, not just uh, the the Broncos. And that's why I was freaking out when I saw the Bears did pull the trigger on a trade, did move up nine spots. Not so much what it was, you know, like what the chart says it's worth, but what other teams were going to charge us because they knew what we needed. And Gettleman did not go for the throat uh, on that one. And that's why I was appreciative of the deal that was made. Yeah, we gave up a future first. You never like to see that happen, but it seemed like a small price to pay compared to the nightmare most of us were expecting.
2: Correct. And like I said, a win for both a win in both organizations. They yeah. didn't have to give up I mean, if Justin Fields is as good as Justin Herbert, then you'll never you'll never rue the day you gave up that first round pick. Right. If Justin Fields is as bad as Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> you're going to wish you had that pick. Right.
1: I agree. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I don't see that as being the case, uh, you know. But uh, or at least, at least, I don't see Justin Fields being as big a disappointment uh, as Mitch was, at at the very least. Um, but anyway, <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Locker Room App, guys. It is an exciting brand new app that I just I'm very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on it, Club Thirty Four Seven Bears Talk Underground presents. Club 34-7, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And the app itself, Locker Room, is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Uh, you can talk to me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news, uh, and so, so much more. You know, and, and the live uh, the, 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 the the app, is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season. You know, to to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the during the preseason. Uh, have some watch alongs. Have some, you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders. Uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get on the get in on the fun is download the locker room app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join in uh, on the fun. Uh, you know, follow me, and you can be notified when my room goes live, and it will be going live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. It's the Locker Room app. It's Club 34-7 on the Locker Room app every Wednesday at 8. Be sure and, and join in on the fun. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> so let's talk about the rest of this draft class uh, for you guys. And and for a guy that didn't, you know, was, was getting a lot of flack for not making trades, the first three picks off the board were trades, two trade downs and a trade up. Uh, for um, for uh, you know, Gettleman. uh you get you get T- Kadarius Coney with with the pick that you swapped to, from us, the wide receiver out of Florida, Aziz U- 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 Ojolari, yep, Ojalari linebacker from Georgia in the second round in a trade with the Dolphins, and then the trade with the Broncos, Aaron Robinson, cornerback out of out of UCF. These are guys. All three of these guys should be on the field right away. No.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Aaron Robinson will compete to be the starting nickel with last year's fourth round pick, Darnay Holmes. They like him. He's got good size, physicality. He can play against the run. Uh, Rare fifth year, five year college player. They like that. They feel like that, you know, translates to playing right away in the NFL. Uh, He's a guy they traded up for a couple spots because they knew they wanted him. So I think they actually used the pick. If I'm not mistaken, they used the pick they got from the Bears, the fifth rounder and flipped it to uh, the Broncos to move up to get Aaron Robinson because they thought the Eagles might be eyeing eye, uh, Aaron Robinson. So that's the third-round pick. And then the second-round pick is Zizzo Jalari, is a fascinating case. He's a guy who was in the discussion for the Giants at pick 11 at one point. Wow. They, pass, they passed on him at 11. Then they passed on him at 20 after the trade. Then they passed on him at 42, which was their original second-round position. And then they traded him at—they got him at 50 after a trade down with the Dolphins. Uh, If he is healthy, then he is probably the first, second, or third best edge rusher, pass rusher in this class. A lot of teams were scared off by a diagnosis of arthritis in his knee Mm. that came up during medical workouts pre-draft um so a lot of teams got scared off by that lowered him on their board or dropped him off completely but he's a guy who didn't miss practices at georgia he didn't miss games at georgia so that could be more of a long-term condition than it is good to hold him out of games as a rookie or second-year player in the nfl and the way i see it is Look, if you get, like, an 11-year player out in the second round, that is an A-plus home run. Absolutely. But the Giants are just looking for, like, four years out of OZ's Ojolari. And if he has a good four years, he gets, I don't know, 30 sacks in four years or 25 sacks in four years, and then his knee is a problem, well, then you don't re-sign him in 2025. You're you don't have to make every pick like he's going to play 15 years for your franchise first round picks. You certainly would like to but yeah. once you get to the second round, you can take a little bit of a chance that, hey, if we get four really good years out of him and then we see his need deteriorating, then we don't that we don't resign him. I mean, the Giants haven't resigned most of their second round picks over the years. They just want <laughs> Dalvin Tomlinson to the Vikings, who was a really good player. So you can live with letting go of second-round picks if they give you four really good years, and that's what the Giants are hoping for at Ogilari. Look, offense, uh, pass rusher was their biggest need, I thought, going into this draft. I don't even know what was second. I mean, it was so far and away their biggest need, and when they didn't pick Pay at 20, which surprised me, uh, then it obviously became they have to do it in the second round, and Ogilari is the guy they got. A bit of a uh high ceiling uh excuse me a high yeah high ceiling low floor kind
1: of guy sure sure and then in the fourth round ellerson smith's a player that i'm familiar with he plays in the uh, same division as my alma mater western uh illinois so it's a name that i heard tossed around quite a bit especially in the the off season, as one of the smaller school guys that could end up getting drafted so like is he an inside linebacker or is he an edge rusher as well
2: He's an edge rusher. For them, he's gonna be an edge rusher. Right. Yeah. I think he played some inside uh, in college, but he they're gonna use him on the, they're gonna use him as an edge rusher because really they're just gonna throw a bunch of young edge rushers at you and see who develops.
1: And then the last two picks are six rounders, Gary Brightwell, a running back out of Arizona, Rodarius Williams, corner out of Oklahoma State. Are these guys are these are these special teams guys or are they somebody that maybe could help out on the back end?
2: No, I mean, maybe Rodarius Williams could help out on the back end, but no, those are special teams picks. Obviously, Joe Judge is a former special teams coordinator. Sure, sure. He's looking for high impact special teams guys. Gary Brightwell was one of the best uh, special teams guys available in the draft. And I don't mean as a returner, I mean as a guy who will, you know, knock you on your butt. You know, he'll play all four units, he'll block, he'll hit you. Um, so he's a very good special teams guy judge immediately warmed up to him and he will be like a third running back. Could he get, you know, a or two a game? Sure. He certainly could, uh, maybe be a pass catcher, you know, maybe fill in it for a week or two if Saquon or Booker, the backup running back is out, but, uh, no, they're not looking for either of these guys to make big offense, defense impact. Those are special teams picks.
1: Right. And like you said, Joe judge is a special teams guy. So he knows the value of a guy. Like that, especially coming from uh, New England, where guys make careers playing special teams uh, for the pace uh, for the Patriots, uh, Slater and uh, even Ebner that he brought from New England uh, to the to the Giants and and such. He, he definitely knows the value of a guy like that, so I'm sure he can get some miles out of uh, uh, Brightwell while uh, while the sun is shining uh, for him. So uh, so looking up, looking forward to the to the schedule here as we wrap up here, uh, Ryan. Appreciate the time, man. Um, you open up, uh, with the Broncos, you're at home and then immediately you're the lucky ones to get to kick off the Thursday night schedule. Uh, so you got a four day turnaround before you have to play Washington, uh, on the road, you know, week two on, on Thursday night. And it's, I mean, that's not uh, much of a, that's definitely not what you want to see when the schedule comes out is Sunday afternoon game, Thursday night, right off the bat with that.
2: Uh, look, I'm going to blow your mind with a stat right here. Okay. The Giants' last four seasons, at the they've been 0 and 2 all four seasons, and they've been at the midway point, the eight game mark. They've been one and seven, two and six, one and seven, and one and seven. So their last four seasons have been over by Halloween. <laughs> the Giants' schedule, yeah, you could nitpick it and say, oh, that's a quick turnaround, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Look. They get Washington, who even in the Giants, they've won 18 games in the last four years, the Giants. It's a miserable four-year stretch for the Giants. And even in that stretch, I think they've beaten Washington five times of those 18 wins. So that's the one team they've had their number. So for the Giants, a team that's season is usually over before it starts, to start with Denver, put an asterisk there, because I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers isn't on that team, Mm. Uh, to start with Denver – Washington, uh, who's week three? Uh, Atlanta. Yes. Uh, that you. you know, it's not crazy to think the Giants could be three and zero. Not at all. And you've yeah. got a team that doesn't usually win its third game till November. So yes, you could nitpick Thursday, but then you get the long layoff between week two and three to recover, et cetera, et cetera. Those first three opponents are three winnable games. The Giants will take that any day, any any year.
1: Right. Then week four at New Orleans at Dallas. Home for the Rams, home for the Panthers, Monday night on the road at Kansas City, then home for the Raiders before the Week 10 bye, which is now the middle of the season um, uh, for the uh, for the league. And, um, you know, two really close Monday night games. You got Kansas City week number eight, and then coming off of the bye, you're on the road at Tampa Bay uh, yeah. on Monday night uh, for the, you know, f- uh, once again.
2: You can pencil in L's there to the two Super Bowl teams from last sure. year. The Giants aren't competing with either of those. They're not there yet. The yeah. Giants are better. They're not. They shouldn't be a four or five win team like they've been. They should be competing for the seven seed or for the NFC East title if the NFC champion, NFC's champion, is a nine win team again. They should be competing, whether they get it or not. They should be competing, but they're certainly not at the level to compete with the Chiefs or the or the Bucks. On a good night. I mean, they competed with the Bucks last year before the Bucks really became the powerhouse Bucks that they they were at the end of the season. But that they they're not going to compete with either of those teams. But when you look at the Giants schedule, it's only uh, two teams two at home of the eight home games. Only two teams made the playoffs: Washington, who the Giants, like I said, have their number, right. And the Rams and the Rams. So uh, the Giants certainly could. uh, you know, if they everything broke right and they went six and two at home, then they're in position to compete for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's not a daunting schedule. You got the NFC South and the AFC West, two very top heavy uh, divisions. I believe Kansas City was the only team in their division to make the playoffs, and then um, you know Tampa Bay and New Orleans made the playoffs in theirs, and then there was a steep drop-off from Tampa Bay who actually finished second despite winning the Super Bowl. They were the second-place finisher in that division. Then you got Carolina and Atlanta. Those are winnable games uh, the for Lawrence you. New
2: is a huge question mark without your brief. Exactly.
1: That's correct as well. Uh, you know, so, I mean, the, the, the Buccaneers are the Buccaneers. We'll see if they can back up last year's uh, magic act. You never know, especially in the NFL these days. But the Chargers outside of Justin Herbert, you know, that looks like a winnable game and then – you know, despite finishing six and ten, they were four and two uh, in the division uh, last year. So, I mean, it's uh, you know, even the NFC East games are a toss so that, up as well.
2: That was a big thing. The Giants had not beaten the Eagles or the Cowboys since 2016. Wow. And they had these. Well, I mean, you know, you, the Bears are you know is a hot rivalry division. So imagine going three years without beating the Packers or beating the Vikings. Like, people would, you know, people were pulling their hair out. The Giants couldn't beat the Eagles or the Cowboys for three years. And so they ended up winning their final match, uh, final game against each of those two rivals. So they'll go into this year and not have to hear, you know, players were getting tired of it. Like, are you ever going to beat the Cowboys again? Like, do you have any pride at all in this? And uh, so they obviously don't have to hear that. So that's you know, those were almost worth a win and a half each
1: to Giants fans. Right, and then you finish off the, uh, finish off the, the end of the year. The last four games are three, three NFC East games and the Bears. You got home for the Cowboys at Philadelphia, at Chicago, home for the football team in Washington, and uh, that's how you finish it off. So if the, if the pattern holds, you should be finishing off the year at least with one victory against the uh, Redskins there. Redskins. Yeah. I just said football team too, yeah. uh, against uh, Washington there at the end of the uh, season because you swept the you swept Washington and then split with Philly and Philly and Dallas uh, last year. So yeah. pattern hole and it's a home game uh, as well. So you have that going for you uh, as yeah. well. I mean that's uh, that's something question, else. I'm go ahead.
2: The question for the end of the, be- the season really is how good are the Bears? That yeah. really. That'll really determine the Giants' December. Is how good are they? Are they go- Giants going in to face a three and a three and 13 to three and twelve Bears team that's they're over, or are they going in to face a team that's competing for their playoff? Play? I think we both know the Gi- Bears aren't going to be a thirteen and three team. I don't so think are so. They, no. are, are we looking at uh, Giants facing a three win team, or are we looking at two seven and nine teams trying to stay alive? So.
1: I would probably say we're closer to the to the to the latter than than the former. I, I really think that if our defense can show up, I think we can win anywhere from seven to ten games yeah. uh, this so, year. Think, so
2: yeah, I think they're probably they're built differently. Obviously, the Giants are probably a little more explosive on offense. The Bears probably uh, a little more, you know, in the trenches better. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think they're very comparable. To their Madden rating would be very similar. Let's put it that. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, did you did you go to many games last year? I
2: just went to Chicago. That just was went to. Ch- wow. Okay.
1: Just yeah. Went
2: to the first road game, and it just wasn't worth. With the way access was working, no club, no locker rooms and whatnot. Sure. Uh, no fans to you know provide an atmosphere. It just wasn't worth traveling last year.
1: Yeah, I mean that's something that I'm actually really looking forward to uh this year. I mean, not just because we had Justin Fields and to see him, but you know, I think that first preseason game, I believe we're playing the Dolphins, uh, that first game. Uh mm-hmm. it's at home uh as well. It might be the first preseason sellout the Bears have had uh in many years just because fans are allowed back in the stadium again and we got this brand new quarterback that everybody can't wait to see play. So uh, yeah. I'd imagine that's going to be pretty uh, amazing, and I think that you know football really did miss a lot last year with with no fans. I mean, the the intensity and, and things like that were, were were similar, but just not the same. You know what I mean? As far as like uh, you know the the building of the moment to hear the crowd crescendo in a big moment on a third and one or you know things like that. Uh, yep. You know, it just I can't wait to have fans back in the uh, back in the stadium uh, this year. I'm really looking forward uh, to that. So Hopefully
2: they're better behaved, uh, both at, you know, all around the NFL. This isn't about Chicago, but uh, <laughs> they're better behaved than NBA fans have been. So oh, far. geez.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, you know, pretty pathetic. What's, what some of those people are doing and, you know, throwing bottles at, uh, at players yep. and spitting on them and things like that. It's, it's ridiculous and yep. everything. The price of the ticket does not pay for that. You know what I mean?
2: We agree there. Okay.
1: Yep. So Justin, or excuse me, Justin Ryan, Ryan. I apologize. Justin Fields on my brain here. Yeah, um, where are you looking at with the with the Giants this year? Is it going to be eight and nine, nine and eight? Is that what you're kind of looking at for the for the Giants this year, or do you think they can hit higher?
2: I, no, I think that's probably. Could they get to ten? I guess if everything went perfectly well, I guess they could get to ten. But I think eight nine is probably their ceiling. Mm-hmm. That's assuming the offensive line holds up the offensive line blows up they could be a 3 win team and if the offensive line is just average there could be a 6 or 7 win team i think my initial pick right after the schedule came out 2 weeks ago was a 7 and 10 for the giants
1: so yeah it really has um, only been a couple of weeks hasn't it since the schedule yeah. came out yeah. yeah i'm so used to it being out before the draft not after yeah, yeah i think
2: one. i had them at 7 and 10
1: okay yeah i i had the i had a 9 and 8 8 and 9 uh, kind of feeling because we've got we got the NFC West and the AFC North uh, this year, so we had three playoff teams in the AFC North, and then you had two playoff teams in the West, and the Forty ers are going to be back healthy this year. So and Arizona almost made the playoffs, so it's just right. a a murderer's row of of, of, a, of a schedule, and it really really tough to predict, you know, because you're also kind of basing your prediction on last year's output, and who knows if it's going to be the same again. This Correct. year, so many different things factor. 49ers
2: into it. should be much better than they were uh, last year, and you know, obviously, the Steelers. I don't think will be as good as they were last year. Right. So. Right. So, well, Ryan, I, I
1: appreciate the time and uh, helping us walk through the the twenty twenty one Giants, and and uh, you know, walking us through. And then I wasn't sure how Giants fans felt about that trade, and I'm glad to th- glad to know that I think both sides feel like they. They came out ahead. That's usually the sign of a bad deal. Is when both sides are happy, you know. But it's and you know that's the rumor anyway. It's like the sign of a good deal is when both sides are unhappy. The sign of a bad deal is when both sides walk away happy. So I think uh, we'll have to knock on wood and hope it works out uh, uh, for everybody. So I appreciate the time, and we'll we'll try to see what we can figure out to try to get you back on the show prior to that it's going to be the holiday weekend just before the first of the year and all that kind of stuff but uh we'd love to have you back to preview week 17 see where we're at with our teams at that point
2: yeah we'll see Hope, hopefully uh santa is good to my son and uh everything's <laughs> in the jolly spirit and all but and i can uh hop on
1: all right well we appreciate it ryan dunleavy from the new york post we appreciate the time and uh we'll talk to you again soon
2: sounds good thanks for having me
1: As always, I want to thank Ryan Dunleavy for coming back on the show and uh, helping us preview the uh, 2021 Giants. I thought it was interesting to hear that, uh, you know, Giants fans are just as happy about the trade uh, as we appear to be. But, you know, it's like I was saying there with, with Ryan there towards the end of the episode that, uh, you know, because is, is, th- like the, the saying is, the sign of a good deal is when both sides walk away unhappy. The fact that both sides appear to be extremely happy, um, is, is that the sign of a bad deal? <laughs> or at least one that's going to have a bad onus uh, on it or bad omen or, or whatever. But, um, you know, time will tell on that. And, and I got to be honest with you, there's there's just a different feeling, you know, about uh, Justin Fields and, uh, and everything. And I'm, I'm really, really anxious to see um, what uh, what all becomes of him and what becomes of us because of him. You know, we all saw what uh, what we didn't do and what we couldn't do while Mitch was the, the quarterback, and we wish him all the best uh, in Buffalo and wherever else uh, he ends up. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, he just wasn't the guy, so we had to move on. We got Justin Fields, who I feel is an enormous upgrade at the position uh, for us and uh, really looking forward to the day that he takes over, even if it's sooner rather than later because – the further we go into this, or the closer we get to training camp, it really does seem like Nagy and company are kind of softening on the idea of fields not starting week one. It's, it's just because I, I saw like um, on Bleacher Report the other day where they were saying like the, the headline was, you know, basically essentially the Bears aren't going to keep fields uh, on the sidelines just because, you know, if, if he earns his way on the field by week three, then you know, goddamn it, he's going to be our starter from week three and, and, and beyond and everything. It's basically going to be up to Andy Dalton to keep Justin Fields off of the field. So we'll see how that all uh, works out. OTAs are underway uh, right now. And uh, unfortunately, we've already lost Daz Newsome to a broken collarbone. But apparently it was a clean break and it'll take eight weeks to heal, which means he'll be back for training camp. So. He might not be in the best of shape walking in a training camp because I'm sure it hurts us like hell trying to run with a broken collarbone uh, to keep his cardio up. But uh, he's not going to miss his rookie season. So, and hopefully he just he just got his bad injury out of the way and he'll be healthy as horse for the rest of the for the rest of the season at least. So, because I think we did draft Daz Newsome to help us out on special teams at the very least to be a returner for us because we got to replace Cordo, Patterson, and we could also be looking for a new punt returner if we want to keep Tariq Cohen out of harm's way uh, as well. So he was, uh, I think, was going to be important to the plans, at least in the special teams uh, unit. So hopefully he'll be raring raring to go by the start of the regular season if that's the role that we want him to play. So anyway, that is going to do it. We'll close the book on the the 2021 Giants for now. We look forward to having Ryan back on uh, basically at the end of the season because, like I said, they were our – second game of the year last year and this year they're going to be our second to last game uh, of the season week 17 in soldier field january 2nd uh and everything so we'll see if we can pull uh ryan away from the wife and kids for a little bit uh, around new year's to uh preview the game and, and see how it's going to turn out we'll see pretty much the season will be decided by then you know will the will the bears and the giants be playing For playoff spots, will they be trying to get that seventh seed or will they be playing out the string because the year is over? Uh, kind of thing. We'll have to, uh, wait and see how that all goes. But, uh, it'll be a long time, almost seven months before we talk to, uh, Ryan Dunleavy again. You know, a good six and a half at least between now and and late December, early January before we get to talk to him again. So, um, anyway so we close the book on the giants we'll move on to the las vegas raiders in our next episode and our boy q myers from locked on raiders will be coming on the show to help us preview this team very interested to see what he has to say about the raiders uh this particular offseason the talk of Derek carr maybe being traded um, the draft choices that they had um, you know, they drafted like a second round guy in the first round. They drafted a first round guy in the second round and, and things like that. And really want to see what he's got to say, uh, about the Raiders and, and how he feels about their chances, uh, in the AFC West and, uh, just overall, uh, in 2021. So we always enjoy talking to him. He's a real fun guy, real passionate about his team. And that's one of the reasons that we love talking to him is that we have that shared passion, that shared love of our squads and everything. So I'm okay, looking forward to talking to him. And of course, having rendaxed on as well from the pewter cast to preview the Buccaneers uh, as well. So that's going to do it for this one. Come back in a few days. Keep your eyes on the uh, social media at BTU underscore Larry and the Facebook group. Just search bears talk underground and you'll find it there. So we know when the episodes are dropping Cause, um, you know, it's like, I'm going to, um, you know, I've already got a couple interviews in the can. I haven't actually talked to, Q uh, yet I've already talked to Ren Dax that one's already in the can that won't be released next week sometime so uh you know we'll uh we'll see when when I get when I talk to him I'll get him cranked out for you guys so here's episode one episode two will be coming shortly and we'll get this all rolling and uh get get us through this 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 down period of activity in the NFL and I know teams are in OTAs and stuff like that but it's just it's not anything exciting you know it's like really the only thing that can happen exciting in an OTA is bad stuff like injuries and things like that so we don't want to hear any of that nonsense so looking forward to getting through this summer getting to training camp getting to the preseason game and watching our beloved play some football and watching our beloved play some football in front of fans that's going to be fun uh as well so Anyway, that is going to do it. We'll be back in a few days. Like I said, keep your eyes on the Twitter account so you know when the next one is coming. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet.